and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski. And we have with us four Ragnarokin guests with us today. We have Paul Wilcox. It's great to be here. Tony Huff. Uh, hello. How are we doing? Special guest Kevin Vredevogue. Hello. Thanks for having me. And special other guest, new, new Doug Gobeski. Hey, let's get this revolution started. It is time for yet another Merry Marvel Movie March episode. We are actually recording this on July 6th. So we are three days away uh, as we record from the Marvel March resuming. So although you listening to this are now resuming your headlong plunge into the MCU abyss, uh, for us, we're still on the precipice. But uh, we are talking about installment 59 of our March. It's the November 2017 movie Thor Ragnarok, which is the story of one Dennis Thor, Rag, who decides to create a rock band. And so he does. And he comes up with a new kind of rock because no one likes it. And everyone's he's like, do you want me to play a show for you guys? And they're all like, nah. And so he decides to call it Nah Rock. The movie is about his trials and tribulations, the uh, the inevitable highs and the dizzying lows and all the sweet nah rock in the middle. I was really excited about all the highs that there were in this movie, considering nobody wanted to listen to his music ever. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, he was fairly successful. Well, you know, psychotropic drugs have an effect on people. <laughs> Giving them the whole audience was quite inspired. Yeah. I think this probably stole some things from... Uh, Oh, no, I don't even remember what that electronic music festival was called. The one the one where Tim Heidecker was getting kids high. Oh, and killing. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, electric sun. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Dr. San was pushing yeah, his tainted vape pens. Some, uh, some free inspiration, I think, for <laughs> Thor Ragnarok. So, Kevin. Yes. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is the actual synopsis of this movie in three sentences or less? Um, Take your time. Thor breaks his hammer. Then some stuff happens. Then Thor breaks Asgard. Three sentences. (laughs) You're giving him a lot of agency in this. Wow. (laughs) That was was far more pressure than I was expecting. uh, You actually followed the rules, though. Yeah, that's that's true. No semicolons. (laughs) No run on sentences. Straight to the point. No dashes. All you had to do was erase the main female characters. (laughs) <laughs> everyone but the titular character was not important to the movie <laughs> All right, and his hammer glad we have that officially on record <laughs> it, it needed to be said is everyone happy with that would anyone else like a, an attempt to do it themselves did I make everyone happy mm. is it worth mentioning Hela and Hulk Hulk, Loki yep. you know, there's Odin dies. Oh, that's and, a, a uh, bunch of stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> he did cover it. I had but three you yada yada to work the with. best part. If you need no, to be prepared for Infinity War, I think that's about as good as you can do in three sentences. Gonna get to Infinity War and wonder why he only has one eye. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's covered in stuff happened. I mean, I guess if you want to, <laughs> Thor loses hammer, Thor loses eye, Thor loses Asgard. That's still within the three sentence limit. Yeah, but what about his hair? Oh, oh his hair yeah. and his dad. Yeah, this is this is really and his sister too. Thor loses hammer. Thor loses sister. Semicolon hair. Semicolon eye. Thor loses Asgard. The best part is, but he gains loses. a brother. Ah, oh, briefly. Is this is this as far as this or like goes, newspaper headlines? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, and we should start doing this as newspaper headlines. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Thor Ragnarok. This is the best of the Thor movies. There now hey, you know no. which one it is. Sorry, I forgot we had a Dark World apologist. <laughs> I like Dark World better oh, than God. this. No, oh God, no. <laughs> so the question inevitably in this march had you seen the movie before tony had you seen thor ragnarok yes um my roommate 
was watching it with his girlfriend and I came in about halfway and I started really enjoying it and told them to start over and they started <laughs> from the, and they did. So, <laughs> I, I actually demanded it. Uh, and, uh, and I, I've loved the movie ever since. So I don't know if it was completely halfway, but it was, it was pretty far into it. It was like when the grandmaster is like flying after him. So yes, I had seen the movie, uh, seen it many times and then have enjoyed it many times. I've seen this movie before. I just looked entertaining. I know that I watched it on a streaming service. I think it was on Netflix, even back when they were allowed to show it. And I don't yeah. think I have a more interesting story other than that. Uh, we already started the march, so I didn't have to watch it because I knew I was getting to it eventually. But maybe it was just the color scheme on the icon that it showed me. The bright neon colors. It was very colorful, yes. I saw this movie in theaters and really enjoyed it. Enough that it was one of those, uh, you know, when the Blu-ray comes out, like you buy it more or less right away because it's on sale for a bit. And you're like, yeah, this is worth it. So bought it then and watched it. And uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, I, uh, I've seen this uh, movie once before. Tony came over and we watched it. This was back when it was on Netflix. Who suggested watching it? Uh, Tony, I think. He, did you suggest watching it? I probably did. This was probably yeah. after I had watched it and said, have you seen this movie, Paul? It's really good. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm down to watch something that isn't two hours of 10 second videos. <laughs> <laughs> two hours of continuous narrative. <laughs> yeah, that was also back when we were watching important videos. That was, it was very we were deep in the memes it was a real departure actually like oh how are we gonna watch a whole movie <laughs> but it's a testament to uh that we liked it because i mean i liked it a lot yeah i uh i saw this on open and night liked it a lot in theaters and it's uh one of few that i watch outside of mcu rewatches leading up to avengers movies uh so i've probably seen this i don't know seven or eight times uh but yeah one of my favorites other than, you know, the other day, I've only seen it once before uh, when it came out in theaters. It was a great movie and a bad theater going experience. Cool. We'll leave it there with no follow up. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, I moved to Wisconsin and uh, they didn't have the theater that I was used to, you know, theater chain that I was used to here. And so I tried one of the local chains and uh, name names. It was like Marcus Theaters or something. Oh, yeah, Marcus Theaters. Mm. I've been there. That's where I saw Ghost Rider 2. <laughs> oh. mm. Other than the movie, the thing that I remember most of all was that uh, somebody sat down in front of me and them doing so caused the back of their chair to slam into my knee. So I got to enjoy the movie while uh, having a painful knee. Hmm. Needless to say, uh, I've never gone back to that theater. So I'm sensing a zero out of ten for the memories. <laughs> for for the theater, yeah. Jeez. It needs to be more selective and it's in where it runs. Yeah, you know, AMC or GTFO. <laughs> Guess it might end up being GTFO soon. <laughs> well, better not be. AMC is the only one in oh. the area that's actually you know worth going to. Oh, all right. I just what, what have you heard? Shares. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Thank you for helping prop it up, <laughs> finance my movie-going uh, quality experience. Yeah, I need to get Tony on that. So, yeah, third Thor movie, first one directed by Taika Waititi, probably best known at this point for being Green Lantern sidekick in Green Lantern. Oh, was he? I, I didn't know that. That's true, by the way. He is he is Green Lanterns human sidekick uh who has an incredibly racist name in the comics so they don't call him that in the movie but he also directed uh what we do in the shadows and he stars in that as well which uh i think people have seen at this point right that was 2016 something yeah, like that yeah some people kind of knew who he was based on that and uh as far as the storyline itself just to get into the the backstory a bit they knew they wanted to do something with ragnarok as you no doubt remember from things like Age of Ultron, where they go out of their way to introduce Ragnarok in a way that does not really get followed up on in this movie, but it's the basic concepts there. Just less candles and 
Oh yeah, the spa. The spa. Yeah, and Idris Elba in there looking hot. So as always. Um. So they knew they kind of wanted to do that, but someone at some point came up with the idea of also integrating a fairly popular semi-recent comic book storyline at, uh, at this point from about like 2004 or five, something like that uh, called planet Hulk, which is sort of amazing in that basically most of like the big brains on earth and the leaders of like superheroes, which is to say people like Mr. Fantastic and Black Bolt, uh, Iron Man, basically decide Hulk sucks. Let's send him into space forever. So they do. And then he uh, crashes on a planet called Sakaar and uh, he has to fight in an arena and he leads a revolution. And then he goes back and uh, tries to conquer Earth. But that's World War Hulk. We're not talking about that. And why did he uh, try to conquer Earth? Because he was mad at uh, the those superheroes for sending him into space. Not quite. It's because uh, they included a giant bomb on his spaceship, too. Mm. And so once he's finally become ruler of the planet and he's all happy, uh, the bomb goes off and puts an end to that. That's right. I've forgotten that. Why did they do both? Why both send him into space and blow him? I think the bomb was maybe to make sure he couldn't come back. Yeah. By blowing up the ship. Yeah. The best rationale might be because comics. Sure. Yeah, it's I mean, definitely yeah. good that they didn't include any of that stuff in the movie. I mean, it seems like the best idea would have been to send him into space without a ship. That pretty much solves the problem, right? I guess it depends on what your end goal is. <laughs> I don't know. If your end goal is to just kill the Hulk, sure. Oh, that wasn't the but point. If your end, but if your end goal is to exile Hulk so that he can have a year or two of issues off planet and then come back for a crossover series where he returns, <laughs> then you probably don't want to send him by himself. <laughs> I'm so glad someone talked sense into Mr. Fantastic <laughs> before he executed my plan then. <laughs> Well, Mr. Um, well, Mr. Fantastic knew the dangers of sending people up into space. What if you sent the Hulk into space and he got cosmically irradiated and turned into, like, Super Hulk? Okay. You know, you don't want that. That's true. That's fair. Um, yeah, that didn't happen. Although, I do <laughs> have to ask, why is the Quinjet capable of interstellar travel? Isn't it like an airplane? Um, I don't know. I do know that uh, at one point in Age of Ultron, they were actually going to show Bruce's Quinjet out around Saturn, but they decided uh, audiences won't understand why that's the case or what the hell's going on, so they changed it to somewhere on Earth. But I guess at some point in Age of Ultron, that at least was in the planning stages. But part of the reason a Planet Hulk storyline shows up in a Thor movie, at least so the theory goes, I don't know that this has ever been directly confirmed, but essentially, Universal uh, Pictures owns like the film rights to Hulk. So the Incredible Hulk, the one from 2008, was a kind of a, a joint licensing deal between Marvel Studios and Universal. Because at that point, Marvel Studios wasn't owned by Disney. But once Disney bought them out, the story goes that once they learned that uh, Universal essentially possibly in perpetuity just has like first refusal rights on Hulk movies or something like that. The story goes that they decided to get around this by creating a Planet Hulk story, but not actually calling it a Hulk movie, and therefore Universal couldn't do anything about it. That's why Planet Hulk shows up in a uh, in a Thor movie, because they really wanted to do the storyline, but they also really didn't want to give Universal any money. Did anyone go into this movie not knowing that the Hulk was in it? I don't think I did. I definitely I, did not. I had seen the trailer, so... And that's, yeah, I was curious. It would have to be someone who had never watched the trailer. I mean, it was a I hate oh, when they yeah. spoil something that big. I understand why they do right. it. They want to bring more people in, but they put the he's a friend well, from work line in the trailer. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I was watching the movie this time, and it is interesting, sort of in a vacuum, watching the movie and noticing how they go to the trouble of hiding the identity of the grand champion mm-hmm. up until that point. And so then, yeah, to have it just spoiled, partly because. You know, it was news that Mark Ruffalo had signed to do 
Thor Ragnarok, partly because Mark Ruffalo can't hold a secret to save his life. <laughs> oh, wait, is that a real thing? Yeah, apparently him and Tom Holland are notorious for accidentally letting spoilers slip in the middle <laughs> of. Does everyone know what happens in Infinity War? Yes. I don't think Paul does. Vaguely. I, Ro- I have broadly. a vague idea of what happens, I think. So not really. So there's an interview where it's um, Mark Ruffalo and Don Cheadle for like, you know, promoting Infinity War. And the interviewer asks them like, so what happens in Infinity War? What can you tell us? And Mark Ruffalo's like, well, you know, like, everybody dies. And you can see Don Cheadle's eyes get wider as he realizes everyone figured it was a joke at the time. Like, Oh, ha ha. And then they saw the movie where a lot of people die. And then they went back to that clip and they're like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) I think I heard stories at one point that they were feeding Tom Holland and Mark Ruffalo inaccurate plot points Hmm. so that they would spoil the wrong things. (laughs) Wow. The equivalent of giving them a gag order. (laughs) Yeah. Or just like fake scripts, you know? (laughs) <laughs> i made a i made an extra cake for you to ruin homer yeah <laughs> could you imagine being the the writer all right so we need you to come up with a fake script oh what a, a fake one you what and i get paid for it <laughs> <laughs> oh to throw like the fans off the trail no for mark no for mark <laughs> and for tom they just they just don't understand can you put that on your resume like i was the guy who did the fake script for age of Ultron or infinity war or whatever. You just do it as contributing writer. That's, that's the way <laughs> to go. Put it. And then you just start the rumor that that, that script was actually the better script. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, planet Hulk. And then the other stuff back to the background, just very briefly. Um, Ragnarok itself hadn't really been depicted in comics. Um, it gets mentioned as having happened once before in some of the Thor mythology backup stories that Jack Kirby was doing early on. And then it actually happens in like 2005 or six, right around the same time as the planet Hulk stuff where Asgard is destroyed, but then it comes back and it's hovering over Oklahoma. Wait, that's why it was hovering over the U S yes. Cause Ragnarok had happened and then it came back. Cause I oh. guess Ragnarok is sick is a cyclical. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I read the comics with Norma Osborn waging war against them. And I was just like, wait, why are they above America? <laughs> yeah, But that storyline doesn't really play out the same way as this. Other than some of the very broader points. And then some of the other characters come from other parts of the Thor run, like um, Scourge, the character that Carl Urban plays. Um, he's from earlier stuff. And his final uh, fight scene is taken from one of the most famous uh, parts of the Thor run under Walter Simonson. So there's definitely some influences there, but it's not as direct uh, an adaptation as Planet Hulk is. Cool. So now that's the background. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) This movie kind of sort of had a character that had my name in it. Kind of. Yeah. Very much dead. I, I gotta say, I was kind of excited. And then as the, as the reality hit, I was a little more disappointed. <laughs> so not going to reuse that name. You lost your chance. Nope. <laughs> another day, another duck. <laughs> another day, another duck. <laughs> that character, by the way, Korg, if you didn't know, is uh, voiced by Taika Waititi, the director. Oh, yeah. Wait, it's not a he's not like a guy in a suit doing it. I don't he's think he's acting doing it. I don't think he's doing the motion capture, although I could be wrong on that. Huh. I already did the motion from capture for multiple things. I think that might oh, be one maybe of them, actually. Yeah. Yes, he is from New Zealand. Because I had a very flight of the Concords. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm pretty sure I asked when we first watched it, I asked Tony, is that Murray? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he was like, no, it's the director. I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, Tony with the movie facts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh, I, I stand corrected. He did also do the motion capture. It says, "Okay, oh, nice. I think yeah, I really got Taika Waititi might actually be in Flight of the Concords. Yeah, oops. I think he's. Uh, I was just looking this up. He wrote and directed one episode and was the director of another. Okay, nice. Yeah. So we're just talking about Spider-Man: Homecoming being 
one of the funniest movies we've seen so far. And then this is the next one we get. I don't feel like I don't feel like this one has like the action like getting in the way of the comedy. I feel like they're very well integrated here. This is definitely like an action slash comedy. I mean, I would like to go on record as not thinking that the action got in the way of the comedy in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think, my, yeah. That's my take. Yeah. <laughs> I think Charlie took on his take. I, I, I don't like that it got in the way of my high school <laughs> comedy rap. I mean, it is interesting, though, that we have this run of funny movies, right? We, we have Thor Ragnarok before that. We had Spider-Man Homecoming. Before that, we had Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Before that, we had Logan. So, you know, all funny movies. You know, but they really started to kind of lean to the comedy a bit more. But I was also thinking that um, this had elements in common with Guardians of the Galaxy 2 uh, beyond just the humor. Like, it's also a very colorful movie. It's not quite as prog rock album cover influenced feeling to me as Guardians 2 is. Although there's definitely some of that influence in there. But it also feels like there's uh, other things like um, classic pulp sci-fi covers... Um, some heavy metal covers yeah. like that scene of uh, Thor full of lightning coming down to smash while Led Zeppelin plays, you know, that feels fairly heavy metal cover. And then this one, I think leans a little bit more into the comic book look than guardians two does, which isn't to say guardians two doesn't, but this, I think really leans into like some of the Jack Kirby stuff. Uh, for instance, the scene where everyone's out dancing, uh, because they're looking for Hulk, and so they're having a Hulk parade spontaneously. <laughs> like that just looks like it should have been like a comic book panel that someone's decided to film, basically. To me, yeah, I mean the colors, just like the red and white of Hulk's room. I think some of the guards are dressed vaguely like Celestials. I mean Jack Kirby. That's that's Jack Kirby in and out, absolutely. Uh, some of the views of the city, like the the long shots, really had a Star Wars prequels vibe i did know that uh, ilm worked on this film so wondering if that's part if that's why it had that same feel feels like it's futuristic looking but also densely populated like it's not just uh, oh you know here's here's just you know a few people out on some rim world it's like no here's here's a place where people actually live and i i kind of appreciated that well done yeah, a lot of the fight scenes Gave me a very um, Dynasty Warriors vibe or like God of War, <laughs> like some of the moves he was doing, like just using lightning to clear out everybody in like a, you know, 20 yard radius. Yeah, he, he was powering up his, you know, his special move, his area, his AOE attacks it's, and mowing down <laughs> while, like, while he's yeah. still meleeing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I really like. I remember I thinking that. during that scene, why isn't he just use full aoe just why does he have to go and touch it <laughs> but... shoot sparks out of his fingertips <laughs> but it felt like a lot like especially that last scene where they're fighting on the bridge would translate really well to that sort of video game yeah. like different playable characters yeah like six or seven of them yeah fight a gigantic wolf it's almost like they need to make a good avengers video game or something <laughs> well that'll always be the dream <laughs> Why didn't they adapt more of the movies? I faintly remember a couple video games in the first phase, but they kind of just petered off after that. Um, I suspect that's probably partly because those video games I don't think actually did very well. Did not actually buy or play them. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I didn't either. <laughs> but I, having sometimes bought some of the tie-in games when people are like, oh, the X-Men Origins Wolverine game is really good. Oh, it is? Oh, it is. You know, stuff like that. The fact that no one ever said that about, like, the Iron Man game or the Thor sure. game. So, um, it might also just be that they would want that kind of game to be a AAA release, and those take years and years to make at this point. So, instead, you're better off with um, Dollar Tree knockoff Avengers video games. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I will say the visual. I really enjoyed the visuals, especially on all the stuff on Sakaar, but... Maybe it was just me. Was anyone else kind of getting a Lord of the Rings vibe from some of the Asgard uh, scenes? Yeah, though? Yep. yes. <laughs> I Especially said it when with I those the giant doors. I mean, they pretty much fight the Balrog. <laughs> <laughs> like to the point where part of me was like, "Did they film some of this in New Zealand?" I mean, they are. A lot of them are New Zealanders. And I think the music didn't help at that point. 
Because <laughs> the music in Asgard's, you know, very much the sweeping orchestral stuff like Lord of the Rings, as opposed to the more electronic influenced stuff on Sakaar. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't look up too much about filming locations, but I was interested in, oh, did they actually shoot that scene with Odin, like, in Norway, like, somewhere? And the answer was no. <laughs> they shot it in, like, a field <laughs> in Atlanta, and then the rest of it was CG, like, including all the cliffs and the grass. and. <laughs> That's kind of what I assumed, given yeah. that it wasn't recognizable in any way. Right. Oh. That CGI was actually probably my least favorite part of the movie. I think originally that was supposed to take place in New York somewhere, and they completely re-CGI'd everything over it. To me, it's like distractingly bad CGI yeah, once you yeah, notice yeah. that it's yeah. CGI. <laughs> I kind of noticed that too, although for me it was less the CG and more, I think, the, the aggressive color grading yeah, happening in that yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like when the the storm cloud comes and it gets weirdly dark and then it's not. And then I'm just like, well, okay. Everyone it's very strange. uncanny valley, whatever the issue is exactly. Yeah, it was just a little bit at that point in the movie. It was very early on. It was like for the rest of the movie being fairly well contained between like the trash planet and Asgard. It was weird <laughs> that it was like, oh, we're starting out in Asgard and then we're going to New York. And then Doctor Strange is teleporting us to Norway and then. I don't know. It was just kind of like a weird back and forth. And yeah, I was kind of wondering, like, why are we making the choices to be in these different particular places? <laughs> I li- and like, I like the integration with Doctor Strange. I mean, it was kind of fun. But at the end of the movie, I was asking myself, like, why? <laughs> what did that really? Fu- How did that function? Well, I, I mean, this movie is a buildings roman, isn't it? We're very much focused on uh, Thor you shouldn't be focused on, you know, where is he? You should just be focused on it's him. And this is just where he happens to be. So I remember at the time, like in theaters being like really excited to have Dr. Strange show up because it was, because I liked Dr. Strange so much and we hadn't seen him since. And I was like, Oh yeah, Dr. Strange. And then this time around, it felt slightly off to me. Like it's almost like maybe he's a little bit too dickish at times compared yeah. to the his own movie. I think there were some major characterization changes with a lot of the characters. I mean, Thor is night and day compared to his previous appearances. Doctor Strange wasn't on screen as much, but obviously he got some of the same treatment. I mean, uh, did, did Taika write this on top of directing? I think he had a hand in the drafting. I don't, don't know that he has any official I writing. suppose whoever the writer may be, they definitely took a different route with some of the characters the same way that in the first two Avengers movies, you very much hear Joss Whedon's voice in all the characters. He definitely has a voice in um, Thor certainly and secondarily Dr. Strange and others. I want to agree, but I feel like when I had that comment about an earlier movie, uh, it turned out that Joss Whedon actually had less of a hand in writing it than I had believed. So it's not, just him it's it's i I really feel like these have like a lot of uh i don't want to say committee but a lot of like studio involvement certainly at that point i think as you get further into phase three that happens less okay so maybe so maybe not maybe here then or maybe less on a day-to-day basis i'm sure they have an influence on like breaking the story and stuff like that but some more of that too could be that Taika Waititi was giving Chris Hemsworth a lot of latitude. I think a lot of people did a lot of like improv takes in this and just Chris Hemsworth being able to do a little bit more of what, like he's a really good comedic actor. Just being able to do a lot more of this, I think might've changed his character too, just the way he's presented on screen. Especially because this is the first MCU movie with Thor post uh, the Paul Feig Ghostbusters. Right. Oh, I think it's after. When, wow. Okay. Yeah, that was 2016. And that was, I think, the first time that people were really like, oh, wow, Chris Hemsworth's actually really funny. And so I think they consequently gave him a little more latitude in this because of that. So anyway, Tony and Paul, you guys have been quiet. What do you want to talk about? Let's get you involved. Now you talk about Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. That, now that's... Yeah, that's, that's really what all I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is where I admit that I've already watched boss baby too <laughs> what wait are you kidding I me to, i had to watch it with you... my niece come on guys oh no that is not acceptable I... oh. <laughs> no it's, this is real life me upset 
No, yeah, I'm, I'm real life like, upset that you are real life upset. Good. Then we're you know, both upset. <laughs> why couldn't why couldn't you why couldn't we all watch it together? Because it was uh, family Fourth of July time. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Adam. You know, Adam did did say on on Friday we could do it. Yeah. Or we had every time. opportunity to we watch did. it beforehand. Yeah. Yep. We did. You're right. Somebody had to leave their phone at their boyfriend's. Well, that was on Fourth of July. Yeah. Oh, so you were just ignoring me for the days before that? Yes. Oh, okay. Now I'm upset. Jeez. <laughs> you know, there there is there's such thing as people being busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's not. I, not in I my. Life. I think you need an auto reply on I, your your text, Tony, like an away message, like on Outlook or something. Hey, Adam did the right thing. He called, <laughs> and I was, called back. It was true. Um, just just wasn't used to you doing the Charlie on me. Usually, you respond to stuff. How did we get here from Jeff Goldblum? Because <laughs> Paul talked about Boss yeah. Baby Two. I didn't get <laughs> right, right. open all kinds nothing. of. <laughs> crazy ass wounds for you guys that's it <laughs> just wanted that's to it. talk about uh, jeff Gold. this is the end of the podcast we're done forever <laughs> wait are you gonna are you gonna spoil boss baby 2 for us yeah geez sweet, sweet how jeff blind Gold? do you need to go into boss baby 2 i don't know 100 percent about it do you I... know the cast no, no. All right. Well, I guess I can't say this good thing, so don't complain next time. I'm quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't know you were only here to spoil the bossier baby. (laughs) Oh, and Paul just ended the call. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He was not kidding. He was real life mad. I'll I'll be on the podcast, but only to spoil unrelated things. (laughs) <laughs> so Jeff Goldblum, Do you, okay, who so apparently got, is in the Boss Baby sequel, I've just yeah, yeah, yeah big uh, news, geez. not available on the internet. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I managed to avoid it so far. I did too. Yeah, same. Yeah, but honestly, okay. So all right, I'm cooling down. I like <laughs> you guys. Well, you guys I'm, are too good at this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We have a lot of practice. Game stalking <laughs> works. So I what? really liked his makeup design. What I was I still Ooh. I still had my Paul needs to bring it bring it up Doug, and just keep going. Paul bring this personal bring anecdote is gonna be not entertaining at all compared to what's just happened. <laughs> <laughs> so my fourth of July was watching Independence Day, followed by, you know, a great Jeff Goldblum movie, followed by Boss Baby Two featuring Jeff Goldblum. And then the next movie I watched was Thor Ragnarok featuring <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. So it was a big Jeff Goldblum weekend for me. You didn't watch The Fly? No, I didn't, didn't have watch any Jurassic Park to squeeze that in. Uh, no. Next you time didn't... I have an accidental Jeff Goldblum weekend, I'll make sure to squeeze in more for you guys. You didn't you watch, watch no Jurassic him, Park Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, we watched that together as a family. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a family tradition for years since it came out. But that features Chef Coldbloom. <laughs> Chef. Hello, I'm Chef Coldbloom. But we're not here to talk about the billion dollar movie. We're here to talk about Jeff Goldblum and Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> and it and his uh and his makeup design as well. And his makeup right. design, which is on point. It really puts the blue in Goldblum. Oh. I I just feel like he really makes the movie. When you talk about it being a, a really funny movie, it never gets old, his character, for me, and, and as many times as I've watched it. I like to think that Jeff Goldblum asked Taika Waititi, so how do you want me to play this? And Taika was like, yeah, just be yourself. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel very authentic <laughs> and sincere. <laughs> does this feel like the character... From the comics, is anyone familiar? No, the character from the comics, Grandmaster's kind of a um uptight douche. Yeah, this is a much better take, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's just Jeff Goldblum, it's still just way better than just generic, annoyed, ranting. I guess he doesn't rant that much, but he's always got like plans and stuff. And yeah. Oh, he's one of the people with like you know god level powers, so. The elders of the universe. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, speaking of the elders of the universe and makeup design, I do like that they loosely connected the appearances of Jeff Goldblum's character with uh, the collector from previous movies. They both kind of have that like line oh, yeah. going straight down from their lips. The uh, oh, I didn't I think know, about that. Whiteish right. hair pointed straight up. Yeah. Good call. Well, thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean for that to sound. No, and if I sounded at all <laughs> condescending in my response, that would be legitimate. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> also a fun performance, Mark Ruffalo. Setting aside the fact that his appearance was spoiled by all the trailers and stuff. Yeah, I, to some, I really enjoyed the reveal. Constantly looking around wildly. <laughs> <laughs> He has no idea what's going on. If you watch any of these scenes again, just watch Mark Ruffalo just doing these wild takes to everything around him while other people are talking. And grabbing his groin. And grabbing his groin. I like that, too. I mean, we've covered the groin grabbing. Is there really anything else to talk about? Or Really yeah. really ruminating on this. <laughs> I mean, I did, uh, I did enjoy the Tony Stark t-shirt that he was wearing subsequently. <laughs> Like it was like just from a costume design standpoint, it was just a really nice touch. The classic '80s Nagel is that the name of that artist who has who designed that painting? Kind of tangentially related. I I loved all the callbacks to earlier Marvel movies. I mean, Tony Stark's clothes, the uh, sun's getting real low thing that they kept doing over and over. Uh, Loki <laughs> shouting, "That's how this feels." When uh, yeah. the Hulk was, oh, I thought that was really well done. That might have been my favorite. Uh, moment in the whole movie that callback to avengers with uh thor getting smashed around against the ground (laughs) (laughs) and then thinking to myself hey wait a second i've seen this before (laughs) i just really enjoyed uh i'm just a real fan of the sport yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i gotta say i enjoyed tom hiddleston's performance in this Uh, as always he did a great job yeah I, there's never a performance that uh, you walk away and you're like, oh, he, he was so-so. Like I feel, I feel like the last couple times that we've talked about him in movies, it's always been like, wow, that, that was really good. That's he definitely adds, true. Yeah, like he just adds adds more to the character. I think every time, and I think this time it was just he was more comedic. I I kind of felt like I was on his side um, a little bit, and, and it's funny that you can you can almost tell like you know that he's going to try and trick Thor toward the end there and thor is like a beat ahead of him uh and it's good to see that thor is because thor usually is kind of the dumb idiot i really like though how in this movie i think more than in the others um tom hiddleston's definitely willing to let himself be like the butt of jokes yeah. and stuff he's perfectly content to let thor throw things at him or you know the whole get help scene like right. even the, the interplay between them up to it and then the follow through with it. Like that stuff's just really good. The get, I do like get help. I do have one plot question that maybe someone can clear up. So when Loki comes with the others with the big ship to, to Asgard and then Thor says something to him like you're late. Was that part of the plan or was Thor just expecting him to be a better person or what was actually going on there? Well, Thor left him for, well, paralyzed. So I'm not sure he could have really expected Loki to show up. And then the the crew members he had were sort of, it was sort of fortuitous as well. So I think it's just a line. That's the impression I got I, as opposed to I don't expecting know. it. I, I kind of, I kind of interpreted it more the way you suggested, which was that he was expecting him to be the better person. And, you know, obviously I assume he didn't think he was literally leaving Loki for dead, he assumed he would get out of the whatever paralysis buzzer thing and come and help out. Yeah, he does have a speech about people growing and changing. Sure. To Loki. Yeah. And we have Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. I think she does a great job, too. She does. Mm-hmm. Allegedly denied a, uh, a lesbian romance in this movie. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there was some talk about they were going to make it clear that she was out and proud in this movie and then they didn't because it's disney oh that's too bad well yeah because it was yeah there was one particular valkyrie who died to save her right and that's what's causing her all of this trauma i mean not that it couldn't have been anyone i suppose but it does yeah it's, it's a much better motivation if she yeah, had some sort of a relationship well i think it was also something to the effect of that they were 
going to do it at one point because I seem to recall Tessa Thompson talking about it early on. Ah, uh, yeah. And then, or maybe Taika Waititi or someone talking about it, and then they just like got cold feet because yeah. that's what Disney does. Yeah. You sure it wasn't just part of the Ruffalo script that they she was uh, reading? <laughs> I guess I don't know that for sure, but <laughs> Disney think- does have a history of patting themselves on the back for microscopic advances in LGBTQ representation on screen. Yeah. If if I remember correctly, even I thought the scene that was cut was like uh, you see a woman leaving her room. So in terms of microscopic, like that was all it was to begin with, that there was going to be an implied sexual relationship with another woman without really touching on it more than that. And even that got cut. Yeah. And yet they kept in a masturbation joke. <laughs> well, that'll play in China. So <laughs> Families love masturbation. <laughs> I know my family does. I mean, they don't talk about it. But, That's know. why they always say the family that. Never mind. <laughs> the family that keeps that respects each other's privacy when their doors shut stays together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is true. But yeah, I think I think Tessa Thompson does an excellent job in this movie. I also like her character arc from like nihilistic almost to believing again. Or being willing to stand up for a cause, at least. I thought that was handled reasonably well. Yeah, you don't even really notice that she's a mass murderer. Or maybe it's just you don't care. They're <laughs> yeah, all- okay. It's their villain. She's on the good side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a real Tony Stark. Yeah, Many of them are just reanimated corpses. Oh, no, I meant uh, when she captures Thor yeah. at the beginning. Oh, yeah. She basically yeah, I mean, takes no, a no, machine no, gun to a whole bunch of dudes. They can reanimate. That's fine. <laughs> it's all good. So, of course, they were going to eat him. So, I guess they deserved it. I take it back. It's fine. And then, so maybe it's just me, but Goth Kate Blanchett's really hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. In a way, I don't know that I expected until I saw it. And I was like, wow. Tony, weigh in on this. So, my favorite part is when Thor gets his hair cut. <laughs> and you see his muscles and he just looks really hot <laughs> but i think i also like how kate blanchett plays hella kind of casually like it's not like shakespearean over the top proclamations or anything like that i mean occasionally it's that a little bit but it's just very matter of fact at times and i think that works for the character at least as presented here yeah especially somebody who's been cooped up for eons she's like oh i'm back all right here we go but i I thought thor's hammer getting destroyed that's pretty much what you had to do there that's the the oh moment uh this is what i like to call it (laughs) you see that happen you're like oh this is gonna be yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's they're gonna have to think their way out of this one it it just makes hella hella's character like that much more powerful yeah you know, you just, you, you, it, for me, at least I remember the first time I saw that I was like, oh, all right, you, uh, you're really strong. Good, good for you. <laughs> yeah. You immediately get a sense of how big a deal she is. Yeah. I think especially with the, with as many movies as we've seen in the March, I think that's one thing that is often hard to do in these movies is give you a real sense of like why one character is more powerful than another. Like if the two of them got in a fight, like who would win? Oftentimes, it just feels like, well, because we say so, this character wins at this time. But here, it feels like, all right, there's some sort of demonstration that really shows, you know, the power dynamics. But yeah, the powers that everybody has is just so far out of anything that we can experience that it's kind of like, all right, like, is this person a threat? Are they not a threat? I don't know. Thor can shoot lightning from his hands, and she's the god of death. I don't know. I guess maybe it's a credit to the movie that I never really thought of it in those terms that like, it's clear to me, like what the stakes are and the respective threats. Yeah. I, yeah. There's less of a sense of, Oh, she's clearly more powerful because we said so in dialogue or something. Oh, just like she shows up, she destroys Thor's hammer. She then kills most of the warriors three. So yeah, that like sets it up pretty well. They're like, Oh yeah, this is a big deal. I mean, and like in the end, like 
they have to basically destroy Asgard to beat her. That's true. Like they can't even beat her. <laughs> right. like, like Ragnarok has to happen in order for them <laughs> to win. Yeah. Like the line Thor has about like, I just hit her with the biggest bolt of lightning ever and it did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently Odin was good to cast her <laughs> away. Yeah. But he made her like that. So, but that's the whole movie, right? That's, uh, you know, people changing people redeeming themselves. Yeah, we were talking a lot about the characters, but how do people think about like the storyline and themes and stuff like that? I thought it was cool that they actually kind of acknowledge some of the like that they make like that they give her some good characterization and then she's like basically, well, you took this whole, you know, you built this kingdom from, you know, conquering and fighting wars and now you're pretending that it's all now that it's peacetime, you're just kind of like erasing that past. I thought that was kind of an interesting theme to bring up. I, I don't know if we had ever really sort of been made to think about that before. Oh, yeah. Something. Makes you think about the history of all culture, all, all countries and empires, say. you know. Makes you think yeah. about the good 4th of July weekend movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's uh, kind of like Jeff Bridges in uh, Iron Man. The other partner wants to, you know, go straight for a while and put all that unpleasantness behind him and much like obadiah stain hell is just not having it so, okay yeah I, I can see where you're coming from there she just has a little more power <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry tony said more power so it was an instinct oh um, oh okay. yeah, I, I, I took me a sec <laughs> um just as a costume design uh beat I mean, obviously, she has the uh, the wicked, cool. What what do, you, what do you even call it? Horns, but they're not really horns. Spikes. Helm. Yeah, the wicked, cool spike helm thing. But then, you know, when she actually just has her normal hair. Um, at one point in the film, it's like, oh, she'd been in prison for forever, and her hair was kind of messy as a result. And you know, now that she's back to civilization, it looks like she actually had a chance to shampoo. <laughs> yeah, got to freshen that, up. That's what you thought? <laughs> it's, no, it's what I noticed. <laughs> I can't say that I uh I have that note. That's the only note I have here. Oh <laughs> <laughs> shampooed hair. Tea tree oil question mark. <laughs> Sandalwood? Yeah, I just like the fact like I noticed more this time that every character had like a redemption arc about you know, often like in the past that they did something horrible or something they thought was unforgivable and they can find some way to come back from that. Even Scourge, like right yeah. there at the yeah. end. Loki has that. Scourge and uh, Valkyrie and Odin has that. I guess Thor, does Thor have that? I think Thor just kind of sails through this movie. Well, what about kind of the instigator, I think. Yeah. A yeah. lot of other people's change. But what about Doug? <laughs> Doug, maybe he did. We'll never know. <laughs> Lord Doug. What about the Grand Master? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I mean, he declares it a tie at the end. That's yeah. true. I mean, he he, jo- he joins the, you know, he joins the revolution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he gives up his orgy uh, <laughs> spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> it's my seen... birthday. <laughs> Have y'all seen the short films they did with uh, Thor and his human roommate and then later the Grand Master with his human roommate? Uh, you know? So we did team Thor for Civil War, but I never. I, I didn't follow up with part two or team Daryl. So if you enjoyed the first, highly recommend the letters. They're good, though. It's more of the same as the original team Thor, that kind of thing. So favorite moments we haven't discussed yet. Kevin, let's start with you. The one thing that always makes me burst out laughing, partially because I forget it's coming each time, partially because I just love it, is Thor is giving an example of a reason not to trust Loki. And the example is like they were eight years old and Loki turned into a snake because Thor loved snakes. And then he said, it's me. And then stabbed him. <laughs> and just, I, I love that. That That is the, the perfect. If I had to show someone a 12 second clip of this movie to convince them to watch it, that is it. Yeah. And then circling back to what Charlie was saying earlier, watching Mark Ruffalo's reactions in that scene. They're also great. (laughs) 
But when when he's in the uh, like the prison, Borg and Meek, I just love just the humor that those two like bring because it, it just remind it. The first time I watched it, it just reminded me a lot of like Flight of the Concords and like that kind of humor. And that that to me every time just gets me just that entire scene and how he's like running around and it's just a big circle. And <laughs> it's just good. Piss off ghost is another good moment. Yeah, that's a great moment. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we somehow haven't discussed this yet, but I love the dark world play that's happening at the beginning Ooh, of the yeah. movie. Yeah. And I love how they get like real like major actors to be in it. Like Chris's brother Luke is playing Thor and Sam Neill is Odin and Matt right, Damon yeah. is yeah. Loki. <laughs> oh, that was actually Matt Damon? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Chris Hemsworth is friends with Matt Damon and called and was like, do you want to come down to Atlanta for a day shoot? And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's but, a uh, real Austin Powers vibe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that scene and I love... Anthony Hopkins as Loki as Odin. If oh you can yeah, track that. Yeah, just how he plays that. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, I guess I didn't even think about that because this time watching, it, I'm like, oh, that's Loki. So, but I'm like, no, it isn't Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> it's actually Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> He's a great actor. Turns out, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they didn't just mocap that. Like, <laughs> CGI Anthony Hopkins. Paul, <laughs> uh, well? um, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat in that what stands out to me are just like a lot, a lot of just you know random individual jokes or uh, good gags. Just like I, I was impressed at how much even just the second time around, how much I found myself laughing out loud. Like just like like when he chucks the that like ball thing at the window and just. Gets like laid out, lays himself out on the ground. Like I, I still crack up at that so much every time. And I, I thought in general it was kind of fun. Like some of like the Hulk in extended Hulk mode, Hulk, and seeing like his life, like just living extended periods of time, like his room there and everything. I thought that was kind of, kind of fun. You know, looking to like, yeah, what if he was just the Hulk for? for a few years uh i like the immigrant song led zeppelin drop <laughs> i think uh, the th- i think i noticed this time too is like not only does it work but most of the other action in the movie is completely diffused by humor which is great you know like mark ruffalo dropping out of the uh the jet and landing on the <laughs> landing on the bridge or like all of the oh, stuff yeah. in the arena right it's pretty amusing but it kind of gives you the opportunity to go like oh, okay, this is the action sequence, and this is where we're going to be doing all this badass stuff. Yeah, and the art style is completely different there, and I don't know, those two scenes were really fun. And yeah, both of those were the ones I felt like had a very video game feel to them, too. Yeah, time time to hack and slash. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, when you hit the cooldown on your lightning powers, hit that one again. (laughs) (laughs) Cooldowns up. So ultimately, what did you think of Thor Ragnarok? Would you save it from Hela, even though it meant destroying everything, but the people survive? Or would you say, eh, I'm sure she'll be fine and just leave them to their own devices as you enjoy life in a uh, gladiatorial arena? I guess I'm just asking, how many Dugs out of 10 would you give this movie? (laughs) Another day, another many Dugs. Yep, up to 10 days. Nice. (laughs) Up to 10 days. 10 days of Dugs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who would like to go first dog i assume right? <laughs> well, all right let's step up to the plate bad theater going experience aside i really like this movie you know it's it's bright and colorful it's funny it's well acted the the story goes places that you don't expect great execution my only real complaint is we kind of meet Doug, but he's just dead. <laughs> you know? Outrageous. Six I, out of I, ten. I, I, no. I had no idea where that was going. That was <laughs> just setting up the prequel, so, the Doug prequel. Yeah. So, 
Uh, I'm going to give this movie nine and a half Dugs out of ten. Uh, I, I had to take it down a half a Doug because of the, the on-screen dead Doug that we saw. Yeah, the on-screen dead Doug. It's <laughs> wow. funny when, uh, when Doug was saying how he didn't, like, the only thing, the only issue he had with the movie, I was thinking, I don't really think I have any, like, true issues with the movie i i really I, I agree with you i think it's or with doug rather I, I think it's very well acted really funny there's action that really keeps you engaged throughout the entire movie um as i was kind of going through some of the other scores um i don't think that i like it as much as guardians so i'm not going to give it a 10 i thought going into this i was going to give it a 10 i think i'm going to give it a 9.5 dugs solely based on trying to try <laughs> trying to be somewhat consistent on this uh, scoring thing that I haven't been consistent on in the past. <laughs> it's very tough. It's like being a long-lived senator or something. But, you uh, just but, have but a whole I'm voting sorry. record to answer for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I understand why it's difficult for politicians. Because uh, <laughs> you uh, you grow, and, and that's what happened to a lot of characters in this movie, and, uh, and that's what happened. it's happening to me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's why Kick-Ass keeps going up and up. (laughs) (laughs) I keep. (laughs) I mean, I really, I really boxed myself in with that five on Kick-Ass too. Now nothing can be below (laughs) five (laughs) ever. I gave Kick-Ass a six. That's shocking. Well, that's the first one. That was what? Oh, I gave Kick-Ass two a two. Okay. (laughs) Okay, that's accurate. Yeah. For me, this movie is in the uppermost echelon of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's it's the peak of the Thor trilogy. It's hilarious. Great cinematography uh, provides a strong justification for saying Thor is your favorite Avenger. And it firmly embraces uh, a kind of fun anti Zack Snyder vision of what comic book movies Mm. can be. So I would give this nine and a half dugs out of ten. But you still like the Zack Snyder vision of what comic Uh, movies can be, right? I'm not going on record saying that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Zack Snyder's Justice League is a movie I think I can appreciate without necessarily in like loving. I think he he achieves what he's setting out to do in all of his movies. That's <laughs> like that's a compliment. True. That's at least that could be said of him. Yes. He's great yeah. at executing his vision. I just hate his vision <laughs> right <laughs> i'm really good at doing bad things <laughs> i'm uh, willing to accept you guys do not share my views we'll get there in 20 years <laughs> yeah i think this movie is a great balance of action and comedy i it zips along pretty quick too i like the focus of it there is that one part near the beginning with Doctor Strange, it seems a little bit out of place, but for the most part, I didn't. It didn't feel disjointed. I think anywhere else. I think this is a really good example of like a direct. Taika Waititi is a good director for a Marvel movie because like he's got a very unique style for you know the other movies that he's done, but he can just bring touches of it to this. Like there's only so much you can do, I think, in a studio, a large studio movie like this, but he manages to brings so much of himself into this and he lets the he really lets the actors do a lot of the work too do a lot of uh improv and uh, i i don't know you just see charm exuding out of everything and yeah i really like those action sequences too uh, i think a lot of good choices made from top to bottom i uh i don't know i, I think here I comes the seven i i don't want to break the nine five i don't want to break the nine five streak here so i'll also say nine five nine five dugs yeah I was gonna say nine, but then I'm like, what am I complaining about the the one scene with Doctor Strange? Am I gonna knock it down a whole point for that? No. no. And there's no shields in this either. That is not true. Thor carries a shield into the arena initially before the Hulk knocks it away. Oh damn it! Yeah, the Hulk Hulk doesn't like shields either. Yeah, shield abuse. I'm I'm for that. I uh, yeah, shield abuse. So the point five for the shield abuse. Yeah, (laughs) it works out. Yeah. Yep, and the half yeah. a Doug is a dead Doug. Sorry, Doug. There's always new Doug. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved, uh, loved Thor Ragnarok. It is a fantastic blend of action and comedy. It's very 
funny, even on a rewatch, laughing out loud at many moments. I love all those improv parts as well. You can just, I don't know, there's just, yeah, a lot of character and personality throughout the whole movie. You know, and I, I think it's kind of interesting because I'm looking back through my ratings and I think I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to continue the streak of giving this a 9.5 dogs out of 10. My comparison on that score is that that is what I gave Ant-Man. And I think Ant-Man is interesting, an interesting comparison as an also very funny movie with completely different stakes, much, much lower stakes than this movie. So I think it's a testament to how well it's done that there can be all kinds of, you know, serious, crazy world ending type things and some actual kind of serious or touching moments in the movie, but also be as funny as some of the funniest movies we've seen so far in the MCU. So, yeah, 9.5 dogs out of 10. Yeah, Ant-Man was an interesting one to bring up, too. I forgot to because that just with Edgar Wright, at least starting to direct that it's a situation where he they couldn't get or he couldn't get through the entire movie directing it the way he wanted to and then this is just i think the opposite end of the spectrum where it just ends up working out somehow well there was also a massive management shift between those two events that's true yeah so maybe it's yeah just the finally having the leeway to be able to produce a movie that the director wanted Mm -hmm. yeah it's like maybe kevin feige is more willing to trust directors to deliver than like the marvel creative committee necessarily was yeah i forgot that was the tail end of that yeah um yeah, it's a really good movie. Chris Hemsworth is great. It was kind of a revelation to see him in the Ghostbusters movie. And so it's nice to see him get to continue to flex those comedic muscles here. Um, I like the redemption arc of Loki. Um, I like the way that kind of ends up in this movie. All the secondary characters are great. Kate Blanchett not only is gorgeous as goth Hella, but she also like acts really well for it and i think interestingly right because like i was saying she's not too over the top with it or hammy right she is actually underplaying in some of it and i think that works really well jeff goldblum's great we didn't even mention the little willy wonka journey bit like as he goes oh, the store yeah. goes to meet the grandmaster yeah that part's <sighs> great and i like that the stakes at the end with like the destruction of asgard feel earned in some way like, it doesn't feel like it comes out of left field. It feels like the movie does a good job of sort of laying the groundwork for that. And so that you agree that, like, yes, this is the right decision. And I understand why all these things are happening and so on and so forth. I'm kind of almost running into the problem I ran into with Spider-Man Homecoming, where I don't think Thor Ragnarok is a 10, but I'm not sure why not. Because um, even the Doctor Strange scene, although the characterization seems slightly off, like, it serves a very reasonable or a very like useful plot point of it just allows the plot to move straight to Odin rather than having to do any sort of like discovery thing. Where did Odin go? Like anything like that. So I think it's useful in that regard. So I'm kind of oscillating between nine and 9.5. And so I think I will just go with the flow and I will also give it nine and a half Dougs. Yeah. Yeah. Out of 10. So my half a Doug is the Doug that got cut in half during one of the gladiator battles yeah it's a great movie would recommend always happy to watch it all right so next up on our mary marvel movie march we have installment 60 it is february 2018's black panther where we're already getting there oh this wow is... we're, we're only three years behind <laughs> yeah. i'm i'm actually really excited for the next one because i have not seen it and uh, oh really i've been I've been waiting specifically to watch it for the podcast. Oh, nice. Cool. So it'll be all your fault if I hate it. <laughs> for the Gobeski Wallace Report, my name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski. And once again, a big thanks to our four Ragnarokin guests. Sorry, our four Ragnarokin guests. <laughs> Doug Gobeski. It was a pleasure, as always. Even if it was a, uh, a not the not the kind of Doug representation I had been hoping for on, on film. <laughs> I guess it's small baby steps. Uh, Tony, huh? It was fun to Ragnarok around the clock with you. Kevin Bredevoke. Thanks again for having me. I had a blast. And Paul Wilcox. It was a pleasure as always. Yeah. So Black Widow on Friday, huh? Anyone going Ooh. to see it in theaters? or Is that all where else staying home and paying $30 for it? <laughs> 
I guess it depends uh, how many people are in your household. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I come over? <laughs> can I come over, but you pay all $30? Sorry. <laughs> Doug could conceivably come over now. We're at that well, point. Except Kara yeah. has the strict no live Doug policy. <laughs> She's all dugged out. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show. Remember, you can go to GobeskiWallsReport.com and listen to all of our old episodes and see some writings and stuff. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter. The links are on the website. So choose your social media. Choose the method of your destruction. Choose the way you will die. <laughs> Via social media. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. Kevin, you were saying something minutes ago before I cut you off. Wait, was I? I thought I had finished my point. Oh, oh, okay. Tony and Paul, you guys have been quiet. Are you even there? Yeah. yeah. You I'm guys there. can't hear anything in the back of my mic, can you? No, I don't think so. Okay, good. You have, like, somebody tied up in there? There's a noisy There's a noisy neighbor. It's fine. It's just it's mildly distracting. But as just long bang as it's on the wall, the Paul. <laughs> yeah, just bang That's on the wall. That's what they do to you. What's <laughs> well, good the, for the goose is also good for the goose. It's the different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a pay it forward kind of person. Wait, I'm, so is this person replacing the wall banger? No. No, just different side. Yeah. Oh, the puppy's gone now. Yep. Oh, how are you going to get your Starbucks cards now? That's a good question. Maybe I should go ask. I say, hey, you know, the people before you here. Um, Used to give me they, Starbucks. When they had a noi- noisy new uh, kid move in, they, they bribed me. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They did. This creepy neighbor come over and tried to extort us the other day. He just wanted Starbucks cards. <laughs> <laughs> I they weren't even activated. They must have just stole them off the rack. <laughs> <laughs>